Welcome to Grind, Grind, Sell, Sell, Elevate, Elevate, with your host, Tizer Evans, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the top minds in all areas of business, entrepreneurship, sales, and leadership. Let's elevate together. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. This is your host, Tizer Evans, and I'm here with Stacey Treschel today. Stacey, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're the founder of Foot Traffic, um, been a very successful entrepreneur, a podcaster, author, so high performance coach. You've done so many different things in your life, uh, but I'd love for you to be able to introduce yourself and a little bit about what you've done and what you do currently. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started already about 20 years ago next month. I started just taking a high school hobby of dancing and thought, hey, I'll teach some middle schoolers while I'm going to college. So I started with 17 kids coming to my parents' backyard. And within three years, I had 100 kids that had signed up for my program. And thankfully, I grew up in a family small business. So my family was looking at this saying, I think this is a business. I think you could start charging and actually do this. So today I have two performing arts academies here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And about actually almost nine years ago, I removed myself from the business because I was now having my first child. And we are in an industry where you work in the evenings and you work on the weekends. And I wanted to have time with my family, my, my new little one. So I, I basically learned how to create a well-oiled operation, which is our signature framework that we now teach other business owners as well. Awesome. Well, um, I've got to tell you, I love Milwaukee. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there a lot and okay. it's a great, it's a, it's a great city Amazing. Uh, for, for those. It's super underrated for those listening. Um, I was like, where is it? And then I'll say Chicago and they're like, Oh, really? Like not picturing where Milwaukee is at all. Yeah. Just on the complete other side. Uh-huh. But, uh, but anyway, uh, that's besides the point. So I, I do love this concept though. And it was interesting. I was reading over your bio my wife's an entrepreneur and has a business that she, she runs in our downstairs office on the upstairs office. And she, the, the question you had, how do I scale with, when I already work so much, right? You're like, this is the question I asked myself. It's kind of what you just prompted with. So just to jump right into it, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, hey, I'm already, Stacey, I'm busting my ass 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. And I'm at the at the core of my business, as you would be for a dance studio, I would assume. How do you start to scale that back? What should people be thinking about to, to kind of uh, have more of a work-life balance? Yeah, I really think just in general, it comes down to producing and creating the system that anybody can run, that anybody mm-hmm. can can do, right? So I think a lot of times we wing it in our business. And then because we're winging it or we're, we're just good enough that we can do that, right? We can sit on you know a sales call and all of a sudden, decide exactly what we're going to pitch them or how we're going to do this. But really what happens is if you want to scale and you want to multiply your time, bring more people on, you have to create a system that people can follow. And it's hard for entrepreneurs. They don't want to let go of control. They think no one's going to sell it like me. No one can do this like me. So I've got to hold on to it. But then therefore they're working seven days a week, 80 hours a week, and they're burning out going, what am I even doing? Right? So it's just not fun. You've got to release that control. No, I, I agree with that. Like literally my wife has been in Dallas the last two days and she just called me right before we got on uh, literally like uh, five minutes ago. And she goes, you got to make sure you have the kids tonight. I have so much work to get yeah. done. I'm so behind. And I was like, oh boy. Um, so <laughs> if you could talk to us, I know that you have yeah. like um, a 12 step process and we don't have to yeah. go through all 12 steps, 
but I was hoping maybe you could walk us through the first couple of the foundations you start to lay for business owners. Yeah, absolutely. So first, it really is, we call it, we call this document, we use the same pager, but it really is just getting on the same page with everybody in the company. A lot of times the owner has the idea of where they're going, but it's in their head. They're not telling anybody else. They're just assigning tasks. Like, I need you to do this today, or can you do this by next week? And then what happens is two days later, they give seven more things to do. And the, the team members are looking at them like, what am I actually supposed to be doing? Because mm. I have a million things to do and you just keep giving me more. And they, they can't see the big picture. So we're really the first step is just getting you the CEO clear what you want to be doing, what you're trying to accomplish and how. And then from there, it's spreading that message to the rest of the team. We have a very, very transparent relationship with our team members. They are seeing our revenues. They are seeing our profit margins. And that can be really scary for a lot of business owners because they think, oh no, everybody's going to want to raise when they see what we bring in or what we're profiting or things like that. But for us, we had to educate the team because if we don't tell them, they assume. They make yeah. assumptions. They, they think, oh my goodness, I heard the business is seven figures. She's loaded, <laughs> right? But really, I was working with a client that came on to, into our program who was making about 600,000 a year, which sounds great. And then she told us we're breaking even. There's not really anything left over. So your team sees the big 600,000 or they do the math and they're wrong and they're thinking it's a million. And you're sitting here thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make payroll next week. And they don't know that information. Yeah, that, that is absolutely huge. And I do think that, and this is something that I've just spent the majority of my life uh, working for Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies. And it's like there's always this level of secrecy. I feel like we've been like somehow um, brainwashed into, I don't know if it's through corporate culture, then it translates over into small businesses as well. But people just don't want to be transparent. And for me, this is the first time about a month ago, the company I work for now, the CEO brought up our financials for all four companies that work for a holding company. And he walked through all of our financials and said, when we can hit this, we can hire more people. Right. And he was just like, and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Cause I felt like way more responsible as yeah. a salesperson to go out and drive revenue. Cause I understood exactly where we stood. Yes. Uh, so, and so that's well, kind of what you're talking about, right? Yes. And I, I love that you said that. So what happens is there's not a lot of transfer of responsibility and ownership when the owner keeps everything so close to them. Cause you're thinking everything's fine. I'm getting paid. Like I'm getting my commissions, no big deal. But if you don't see the profit margin, if you don't see those numbers, you know, there's good and bad. Sometimes it's like, hey, we're gonna, we're short about $20,000 this month. We've got to bring in a few more sales. What are we going to do to make up that, that income? We've had sit downs in meetings of different people on the team saying, okay, what if we reach back out to our top 10 best clients that left us? What if we did this? What if we did that? All of a sudden you see this resourcefulness among the team versus everybody's just doing what they're needing to be doing to check off boxes. And then the owner is freaking out thinking I'm going to be short 20,000 and they're taking it on upon themselves to try to figure it out all alone. Big difference. Yeah. Huge difference. And it, and it absolutely did uh, for me. Like we yeah. just talked about, you know, yeah. Uh, because it also I'm makes you feel like, wow, they trust me. I'm, I'm up. I'm really a part of this versus absolutely. why can't I see this or, or what are they keeping? Yeah. And that, that's where I feel like the corporate culture gets it so wrong. It's just like, mm -hmm. and it, then your boss would be like, Hey, I'm going to tell you something. 
but you can't tell anybody else. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, are, what games are we playing? You know, this isn't a secret society. This is you know, just a fucking insurance company. Um, that's just me personally. Um, now, the one thing I, I do think also that can happen for a small business owner or medium-sized businesses, and, and I get to work with companies from five to a thousand employees on the regular. So you get a full scope of, of different sizes and you can have a great idea and you go full force with the idea and then uh, C- COOs or COs, they get so busy, there's no accountability 30 days later. So you can talk to us about how, when you have a great idea, how do you hold people accountable and how do you implement that process? Yeah, that's a really good point. So a lot of times we think of these ideas, we just give them to somebody and then we think it's their responsibility to complete it but really they need accountability. They need follow-up. So one of the biggest things that I love doing in our business is just simply having a project management software that has listed out everybody's weekly to do. So every week right now we're recording this, it's a Thursday. And I can tell you, I could go right now to our week of project management and I can see who is working on what, who's completed what, and I can tell who's on track to hit about 100% of their tasks for the week. So what's nice is the accountability there is at the end of the week, our person who's like a COO, right? She is going to go and she's going to look at everybody for the week and she's looking for all greens that say done. And all of a sudden, if there's a stuck or not complete or it's sitting there, she will ask on our Monday meeting, hey, what happened here? Do we put it on the the week, the next week, right? So if you don't have it written and you're not checking if things are done, they might just not say anything and you might forget you even assigned it. And then a month right. later, you're thinking, wait, whatever happened to that project I asked you to do? And they're like, oh, wait, are we still working on that? You haven't mentioned it. And you gave me 17 other things. So I just started doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's so crucial. And I, and I love that. That's such huge advice. Uh, because it, one, it doesn't allow you to really overload somebody. If you yeah. know they're so currently working on the project, you know, there's transparency on the rat, the project, you're able to intercept and help if they need help with the project, right? There's so many. So then you would suggest, and this is another thing I think that people often get, uh, for me, as a, as a sales manager, I always, and people thought I was a masochist for doing this, but I would hold daily sales meetings Yeah. Um, every day at eight o'clock you're in there and we met for anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And that was just to realign focus, realign targeted mission. So do you have a cadence you think is best for meetings as a business? Yeah. So we also do daily huddles. I think it is really important to know what's going on. What are you planning today? Um, In this business, in our online business, we are remote, even though a lot of us do live together here in Milwaukee, we are mostly remote for the most part, but every day, even before the daily huddle, they will take every, they'll take their manager with their top three priorities for the day. So the manager gets to look and see what they're working on or the top three and say, Hey, wait, hold up. Tizer, I noticed you said this, but I really need you doing this instead today. Like this mm-hmm. trumps everything, or it's just like a great sounds good. And now I saw what you were working on. So I'm expecting it to be done at the end of the day. So it, it helps them get focused and get really clear and get reassurance. That's exactly what we want you working on today. Awesome. I mean, it's, that's incredible. Um, you know, game plan. And now when it comes to your, your foot traffic formula, talk to us a little bit about what that is and, and the concept, because I'm having a feeling that's a little bit different than yeah. kind of the well-oiled operations versus foot traffic. Uh, yeah, they go well, hand in hand, but let's, they let's do go talk hand about in hand. that. Yeah. Yes. So well-oiled is very like, there's three phases. It's, it's basically getting clear, 
getting the right team, really working on your leadership. And then the last piece is building the systems to have their, your team implement them, right? Foot traffic formula is really helping people get more, we always say like customers through the door, whether it's physical or virtual, um, more profit in their pocket, right? Like we're constantly looking at how do we get that traffic coming in? How do we convert that to leads and sales? So the formula is really one piece of our systems inside of well-oiled operations. And it's typically what most entrepreneurs want, right? They're like, ooh, operations, no thank you, right? They're going, I want more customers, I need more money, I need more this. But the reason they go hand in hand and the reason we have foot traffic formula in well-oiled operations is because if you don't get the systems in place, you can't scale it, you can't handle more customers um, or your marketing is ineffective, right? So we need to have the right systems in place to be bringing in those right people. So. I always tell people, we really look at our data. So we do a daily huddle and every single day, we are looking at a few important metrics of what happened yesterday. And we're grabbing that data to say, okay, what do we do today, right? So we're talking about um, what kind of leads came in yesterday. How, like, how were they qualified? Were they qualified? Um, you know, sometimes we might say, well, this many were spam accounts. They weren't even real accounts or it was this, or we turn on our Facebook ads and we notice this is happening now on our Instagram because of it, right? So we're using that data to then decide where do we go next? So the formula is really about how we're driving traffic, how we're creating touch, which is that, that lead, right? Getting a qualified lead to raise their hand. And then from there, how are we turning it into a transaction? And I think a lot of people, you'll hear people talk about, well, it takes this many times and they need to be this warmed up and not if you have a dialed system in place. I mean, we have had people find us on day one, go down a rabbit hole of our content, which is aligned with our products and then go, this is exactly what I need. So I always tell people, you've got to just really make sure it, it, it goes together. Like I keep doing this because it's a triangle. It has to flow. A lot of times people look at them separately, right? They're just posting on social today because they were told they should post every day. So they're, what, yeah. what, what do we want to talk about today? And then they ramble about something they don't even do, or they don't even sell, um, confusing their audience, right? Or they'll post a free offer of some sort, or they go right to book a call or this or that, right? And it's just too much for people. So there's no people raising their hands and then their sales aren't what they wanted them to be. So we have to really dial in constantly looking at that data. Where do we go from here? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. You know, that's the, I've been shocked. Um, said it told you it's been in the last 17 years in sales and um, how many people just kind of wing it, you know? And I've, yeah. I've worked for a com like massive companies and, and I remember uh, a couple companies ago, I walked in and it was like my first couple of weeks and I asked, I said, you know, well, what are the metrics you want me to follow? Right. You know, because I came from a super metric environment. Mm -hmm. and um where i was giving reports every two hours on our daily metrics and and they're like oh no just do the best you can and i was like i was like, and my question was because this is obviously not good but i was like well how do i get fired right <laughs> and, and they're like well what do you mean you know what i mean so we're just back and forth and i was just blown away that they didn't have a call structure right. or anything like that and then i'm like well you're leaving everything to chance uh, right. and, and numbers well, don't lie and that's the thing with the call structure. When we look at our close rate, when we look at all of that, this is all the kind of stuff we're talking about as a system. We're saying, wow, what can we do to increase that? If, if, my, if my sales team says, 
they just weren't warmed up. They like just found you. They had barely heard about our stuff. They had no idea what we do. Okay, great. Well, what can we do in that email nurture sequence before they jump in that call? So we're in the process right now of putting some of our best videos that I've created on a landing page to have them watch before they even arrive to that phone call with mm -hmm. other video testimonials of people that have gone through it and, and done it just to get people warmed up. Now, will everybody watch? Absolutely not. Right. But it will definitely increase some of the people showing up to just be a warmer candidate, right? Qualified lead. And then therefore helping our, our sales team close more. I love that. I think it's a great strategy, you know, get the, the familiarity, you know, going mm -hmm. before the call um, and what they'll be talking about might prompt better questions. Yeah. You know, two things you said there. I want to, well, one thing you said, but led me to another question is testimonials, I think are, again, something that's very underserved, underrated. One, um, how do you go about collecting those? And then yeah, two, how do you leverage your podcast to help your business? Yeah. Okay. Great questions. So testimonials, people will be like, how do you get testimonials? Like you have so many, I, nobody wants to do them for me. Well, I like a lot of times to give as well as just receive and always be asking. So one of the things that I had said the last time I did testimonials was because I did these on camera. So they're showing up on camera, which is a bigger ask than just write me a little couple sentences. Right. Sure. So I basically said, Hey, I'm looking for people to give an honest review of well-oiled operations, 10, 15 minutes of your time. I'm going to stick around for 10, 15 minutes off air. You can ask me whatever you want and get some private coaching. Now, some people are like, wow, I can't believe you would. I don't do private coaching. I, I just, all my programs are group. So some people are shocked that I would give my private time. But to me, that testimonial is worth so, that testimonial could be worth a new client five new clients, yeah. 10 new clients. Yeah. So I actually just did one today because somebody, somebody actually said they saw those testimonials and they said, Hey, I definitely have one that I could share with you. She had no idea that we even gifted after it was over. So she was blown away, but just ask people, um, when people share things, you have to prompt them, right? So a lot of times we'll do testimonials. And the reason I do them and not my team is because since I'm a podcaster, I've interviewed hundreds of people. And I know how to pull things out of people. That is a skill set that not everybody can do. So if I say to my team, Hey, ask these five questions, they're going to ask those five questions. I might have to go, okay, Tizer, tell me more. So what were you feeling before? Or how did this happen after? So I'm trying to pull out the story and that is what makes them, I think so good. So really make sure you put somebody in there. If it's you or somebody else that can pull out like the before and after you're trying to paint that picture. Um, so that's, that's one way is we just, we, we usually ask, um, we are constantly, our coaches are constantly listening for big wins and then saying, Hey, would you be interested in, um, sharing your story? And we, again, we go back to story. Like you just went from 80 hours to 40. Imagine what you could do with that story. If you share it with somebody else who's in the same situation, like imagine yeah. how many lives you could change by having somebody here, it can be done another way. So people want to join that mission of sharing whatever they can with somebody who might be in the same boat of, as them. Yeah, that's powerful. You, you empower them you know, yeah. through their own influence, through the testimonial that helps your business. Mm -hmm. It's a, a collective win-win. Now uh, you mentioned the podcast and, yes. and I kind of referred to that. So I'd love to hear, you know, because this awesome comes up or I, I talked to a gentleman yesterday who's got 4 million downloads. He's made a whole life up of podcasting. And he was telling me that the, 
he believes that the market is saturated. And I necessarily don't uh, yeah. agree with that at all. Yeah. I think that it is, you know, 40 million YouTube channels. There's 3 million right. podcasts, right, right. right? Like we've got, we're, we've got a long ways to go. Um, but how have you used it for business? And, or do you think that it's a good marketing tactic or, or way to communicate with your audience for business? So I, my podcast is probably the number one way uh, that we are getting people to buy fast. Mm. So when, I mean, obviously on a sales call, we're going to say, you know, where did you first find Stacy? And then they'll say, what made you book your call today? And a lot of times they'll say things like, well, I've been listening to the podcast for two years, or I've been, or I was listening to the podcast on Wednesday. And when she said this, so we just feel like it's a different kind of connection right now. Is it the way for you to blow up and have all these new people see your podcast? Maybe, maybe not. But what we find is when we get people into our world and they find out we have a podcast, they will binge. And, they, and if it's the right person, that's when it really is good to make that connection and make the sale. Um, the biggest way to grow a podcast is what I'm doing right now, being on somebody else's podcast, right? So if you try to go to Instagram and grow your podcast and keep saying podcast, podcast, not everybody on Instagram listens to podcasts, but right. as a podcaster, one of the non-negotiables for me is I must be on other people's podcasts because what's going to happen is somebody's going to listen. If they're, if, if they're a good fit or it resonates with them or who knows, right? Like you said, like my wife is this, we've had so many times where sometimes the podcaster will say, I think I need your program. Like it's crazy. The connections in the dream 100 type strategy, if, if I can explain what that is in a minute, but like going after where your market possibly is, because what happens is they're podcast listeners. So if they like you, they know they can continue the journey with, with your podcast. I will say, if you're going to do a podcast, you must, must, must try to get on other people's shows. If you really want to get new followers, new audience listeners, then just getting a warmer connection with your consistent or current audience. Totally agree. Yeah. Using the people's yeah. platforms and stages is yeah. super powerful. Um, I know we were a little limited on time today, both of us, but I did, you did mention the dream one-on-one. So if you want to yeah. just dive into that, maybe okay, our, cool. our last question. Yeah. So dream 100 is a strategy that you can use in a lot of different ways, but it's basically saying like, how, instead of how do I find my client today? How do I find somebody connect with somebody that has lots of my clients in their circle, in their network? Mm -hmm. So I could say, let's list a hundred podcasts that would have listeners who are my ideal listeners. And instead of me going after one at a time, I'm going on one podcast. And depending on the size of that podcast, there could be lots of people, potential people that would be listening. You can do this with like, let's say for instance, um, Instagram, you are really working on Instagram. Well, ask somebody to do an Instagram live with you. If they have an audience of your similar people and you go live together, it shows up on their page, just like it shows up on yours. So now it's like, that's how you're going to get even more visibility on that platform. So you can do this in so many different ways, every platform. Um, it could be, if you wanted to get on stages, if you wanted to, um, like local speaking gigs or traveling across the country, doing speaking, you just want to start to ask yourself, like, where are my people hanging out and how do I get in those circles so that when I do one thing, it could multiply my time. Yeah, that's such great advice. And um, it's just, I mean, for me personally, it's helped me so much like mm -hmm. to grow um, as well. You know, I did, when I started the podcast, I didn't even think about getting on other people's. And then someone asked me, they're like, hey, yeah. was, you know, you, would you mind coming on mine as a guest? And I did. 
And then I saw like, it was a, a lift and then it was a yeah. lift and then a lift. And then I was like, oh, this is working pretty good. <laughs> so, and it was for me, it's more about impacts, you know, totally. more than anything. And it, it needs to be an alignment. I see people do this. Like if you're, let's say you're saying I'm looking just for salespeople and then all of us, or let's say that's mine. I'm looking just for salespeople. But then I get a mom blogger who says, Hey, would you come to a talk? I've got some stay at home moms that would love to hear how you do this with your children. It's like, that's not a good fit because I don't right. work with stay at home moms. So a lot of times people just say yes for visibility, but you have to say yes to the right visibility. Yeah. Good, really great point because yeah, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for me to go on because that's what most people want to talk to me about is sales, right? So it wouldn't yeah. make sense if I went on a marketing podcast. I'd be like, uh, I don't know. People usually get the leads for me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah. here's where I'll say this too. Look for complimentary where like, let's say with marketing, it's not your sweet spot. It doesn't have to be. It's their sweet spot. They don't need your expertise. Yeah. They might, you might pitch them and say, listen, I see you do a ton of marketing. Well, let's talk about how the marketing hooks up with sales and how I can help them get more with their marketing. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, okay, well, we're not competing against each other. So yeah, let's do it. Versus people will go after all the sales podcasts, right? And sometimes that might not, they might say no to you because they're like, well, Tizer, you're my competitor. So no, I'm not going to do that. Right. So you've just got to be looking at what would be the win for both parties involved. Yeah. Also very good point. Very good point. Um, Stacey, I've really enjoyed the conversation. You have a uh, fantastic energy um, about you um, for people who can't hear it. It's definitely very evident. If you watch the video, uh, where can people connect with you if they want to uh, work with your business um, or listen to your podcast? Uh, and I know you said you have a book as well. Yes. Well, first, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for having me on. So my two favorite places is either the Foot Traffic Podcast or I'm mostly on Instagram at Stacy Tushel. Um, and I am working on my third book right now, While Oiled Operations will be coming out probably at the end of the year. Um, but you can find everything just at stacytushel.com. Perfect. Well, I will post a link in the show notes for everybody listening or watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast. You can scroll right down to uh, Stacy's website and or her Instagram handle. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you a follow as well. So I'm on, that's Amazing. my favorite platform as well. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, Stacy. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, everybody, make sure you please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Um, again, Stacy, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tizer.